another episode of Let's Get Into It. I'm your host, Brie Marie. If you're new here, hello, hello, hello. I'm Brie. I'm an online business strategist, course creator, and I just happen to be the host of this podcast. If you're not new here, welcome back, and <laughs> you know the drill. So just before we get started, I need you to do me a quick favor and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, and then leave a star rating or review. It helps the podcast so, so, so much. I think we're available on 12 platforms. I know iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Casts, Stitcher, Breaker. There's like a lot. I don't know them all. Um, But whatever your platform you're listening on, I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in every week, sometimes two times a week. It means so much. So if you guys have been hanging out with me on my Instagram stories, my Instagram's at livingbreelybtw. You should definitely give me a follow. Um, I'm not really big on posting on my feed, but I love, I'm like always in my stories. I love posting on my stories. I'm always cooking something. And I've been making these chicken Buddha bowls. The the recipes from the website Delish, D-E-L-I-S-H. You can just go and type in chicken Buddha bowls delish recipe and it will come up. I didn't really follow the recipe. I feel like the measurements are a little bit off, but this recipe calls for sesame seeds and I a thousand percent had a near death experience because if I'm sure you guys have experienced this before. Like if you've ever eaten like something with like a lot like big chunks of salt and it gets like stuck in your throat or if you've taken like a big gulp of water and it feels like it went down the wrong, quote unquote, wrong pipe, even though that's biologically impossible. We don't have two pipes back there. Um, but that happened to me this afternoon with the sesame seed. And I thought I was like choking, but I could still breathe. But I was freaking out because it was just me here alone. And it's terrifying. Like, it scared me because I never like really think like, oh, yeah, I live alone. Until it's like you're in one of those situations where you're like, I wish someone was here. And I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't choking because I could still breathe. But I was taking really deep, like big inhales. Like, (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) I don't know. I just kind of have to poke fun at myself because I get, I have like health related anxiety. So anything like that just like automatically invokes like panic. Um, but I kind of have to like poke fun at myself because I know I've done this before. If I just lean into the feeling and I relax, it passes so much quick, so much quicker, quick, so much more quickly. Um, than if I were to like what I, my reaction was like starting to like freak out and panic because I thought I was dying. Um, And it just, that's such a big analogy for so many other things in life, right? Like the more that we tense up or get like anxious and nervous about something, the worse off it is versus if we're just like going to relax and flow into whatever situation, usually you come out a little less unscathed, but that was clearly not my headspace today. But anyway, I'm glad I survived so that I could record this intro and put out this episode for you guys. So today we have a guest. Her name is Nicole Cherie 
Odin, and she is an attorney here in California. And I was introduced to her by my really good friend. I always talk about her, Dr. Tristan Sophia, um, because there was a little bit of a situation that I had earlier this year um, where I was scared of some content that I created being repurposed for financial gain that was not my financial gain. It would have been someone else's. And this is just the reality of business. If you're in business long enough, people are going to want to take your ideas. They're going to want to make money off of you, essentially. And that was kind of what was I explained in the episode a little bit more about the situation. Um, yeah, it's not fun. And Nicole, she says a couple of really great things that I have continued to use since this podcast recording, but she says it's not if, it's when. And that is why self-care for your business is so, so important. And having things like contracts and NDAs or confidentially confidential, why can't I say this, confidentiality clauses um, or terms of service, things like that in your business in the appropriate places are so extremely valuable and important. And I think in the online space and in the coaching world, a lot of people get the shiny object syndrome. They see that number and their bank accounts start to rise and they want to go out and they want to have fun and spend their money. And that's awesome. You should definitely treat yourself, but you should also make sure that you have things in place to protect your business and protect the work and the effort that you've put into building this and the content that you've created um, and your relationships with your clients. So in this episode, we cover so much. And I and I think that one of the best qualities of Nicole is that she is so easy to talk to. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with an attorney before, but sometimes they, and I don't want to like overgeneralize, but sometimes attorneys can be very, um, underwhelming. (laughs) And Nicole is not that. She's so easy to talk to. And I don't know, anytime I've ever been in front of attorney, I feel like I'm in in front of an attorney. I feel like I'm in trouble. Like I've done something wrong. (laughs) And I did not get that impression at all from Nicole. She's so easy to talk to. She's so fun. I feel like she explains things in a way that doesn't involve a lot of legal jargon which is so refreshing. And she also has templates. You guys, this is awesome. This is such a great business move. Like, kudos to her. So she has templates that you can purchase on her website. The link is down below. Um, Basically, plug and play templates. So you plug in your business's names, whatever the terms terms are. Um, And it's just a great start, a great place to start. Like if you don't have money, I think a lot of times, you know, too, that's the thing is people think having having an attorney means you have to spend thousands of dollars and have them on a retainer and all this crazy stuff. But just simply having a good client contract, a good NDA, a good confidentiality clause (laughs) somewhere in there, good TOS, like it is important that you have those types of things situated. And her templates are not excessively priced at all. I think they're so, they're very reasonable. Um, 
I think anyone at any place start if whether you're just starting your business or you're two or three years or four years or five years into it it's definitely something that you can afford and again it's to protect yourself and to protect your clients as well and your business and the effort that you've put into it so I think there's going to be a ton of value for you in this podcast grab a notebook grab a pen write some of this down. Go check out her website. Again, all of her links are going to be in the episode notes. You can go and hang out with her on Instagram too. Um, And I do have to read a quick disclaimer before we get started. Everything Nicole Sheree Odin discusses in this episode is legal education and information, not legal business or financial advice. It does not create an attorney-client relationship between you. Nicole Shuri Odin is an attorney, but she's not your attorney, unless an executed retainer agreement exists with Nicole Shuri Odin Law. You want to consult with an attorney in your local area to make sure you are taking the right steps for you and your business. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode, and I will see you guys on Friday for a new episode. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you, mean it. Bye. Okay. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. So Nicole Sheree Odin is an attorney and a small business owner. And I actually reached out to her through my friend, Dr. Tristan Sophia. You guys know I talk about her all the time. Um, Because there was like a little, it was one of those situations where I was like anticipating the worst, but it ended up not being a horrible situation. Um, So Uh, there was a gentleman in one of my courses that wanted to, who took the course and was like, Hey, this is really great. It's a Pinterest membership. If you guys are wondering which course it was. And he said, he's like, can I purchase this course and put it into my mastermind? And the whole thing just like, didn't feel right. It wasn't the best contract or like negotiation phase. It was just so weird. And I ended up telling him, like, I think I'm going to pass on this opportunity. Like, I really want to focus on just doing my own thing. And the way that he phrased his response made me so concerned because he said something along the lines of, like, well, I'm already in the course. I already have all of the information. So it made me think, like, is this guy just going to copy and paste my course and put it into his mastermind without, like, paying me or like giving me the what's the like the copyright or any of that and I was like oh my gosh so it kind of freaked me out and I was talking to my friend Tristan and she was like you need to talk to my friend Nicole and when we got to chatting I was like this would be a perfect podcast episode because there's just so many things that as small business owners we just don't think of legally what like like what's the word I'm looking for legality is that the right word yeah, legality. <laughs> legality, like, of of what we're doing and how to protect ourselves. So that is why I decided to have Nicole on the show today. And just tell us a little bit more. I think you have a really interesting story of how you decided to transition away from, well, you can tell your whole story. But yeah, I think you just have a really interesting, like, background of how you got here. <laughs> Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to be able to connect in that way. And I really do always say that relationships and connections are everything, no matter 
if you have an online business or a brick and mortar business. So thank you, Tristan, for connecting <laughs> us. <laughs> um, so I am Nicole Shree Odin. I'm a licensed attorney in the state of California. Uh, I do have my own law firm and I also have an online business. Um, I run a settlement minded family law practice and I work with other female owned family law practices in Southern California. And that's what I do mainly in my firm. My online business is a virtual law firm. Um, and so I do work with online business owners who are based in California who need custom contracts and policies, but I also offer legal templates. So for some business owners, the thought of hiring an attorney for custom drafted contracts and policies is super intimidating. It sounds super expensive. They may not have the budget um, to go down that road yet, and they just want to get something in place to protect their buns. And so a legal template is an option for them. Um, I always call myself an accidental entrepreneur, to be honest. This isn't kind <laughs> of where I saw my career going when I was in law school, but it's funny because I think that I have surpassed kind of my dreams, which is amazing. Um, so I was working for a boutique family law firm. It was a prestigious firm working 12 to 14 hour days. And that was great. It was my life. I loved what I did. And then I had my daughter and it just flipped my entire world upside down and having a three month old at home with a 14 hour workday and trying to breastfeed and be present and juggle all the balls just wasn't working anymore. Um, so I just decided that I was going to go out on my own and try and make it work. Um, which was great, but it didn't really deal with the postpartum anxiety I was experiencing, which was something that I didn't want to admit to myself I had. Um, I stumbled onto Beachbody, thanks to my coach and my biz bestie, um, but quickly found out that while I loved the products and the programs and I still use them, that the coaching model with MLM just wasn't something that I wanted to be doing. But what was funny was when I would kind of reach out to people and start talking with them in the online space, they would find out I was an attorney and the questions would like just start to flood my DMs on Instagram or on Facebook. And it was kind of one of those moments where I found my calling and I didn't expect to, uh, because I would kind of say, look, you want to talk to an attorney in your area. You want to make sure you're taking the right steps to kind of cover yourself. And they would always basically say it's too expensive or it's too intimidating. Can't you just answer a couple of questions? And that's kind of where my own online business was born. So it's been an interesting winding journey, but yeah, it, it's been great because having the freedom to kind of build a business my way and work with people that I truly enjoy working with has been amazing. So That's awesome. I totally agree. I think a lot of times, I mean, even for myself, I expressed this in our first phone call was like the idea of going to a lawyer or like an attorney and being like, this is what I need. And like, I don't know. I always kind of picture it. It, it is super scary because even if you're not in any like legal trouble, just even having to kind of think about the potential of, <laughs> of what could happen. <laughs> don't protect yourself is like overwhelming just in its thought. And yeah, I just think that it's so important for small business owners, especially to protect themselves in any way possible. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think that kind of the number one thing that I see is people basically say, I'm going to deal with it later. And then they stick their head in the sand and then something happens and then it's too late. So yep. then you're planning for something that happens in the future, but you're still stuck with that situation you're facing now and trying to do damage control. 
Um, so I like to tell small business owners that if they kind of reframe their thinking and try to look at legal like an insurance policy and think about the fact that it's a boundary. So in a way it's self-care for your business because you are setting protective boundaries and mitigating risk. Like we always say in self-care, you know, you want to make sure that you're setting boundaries for yourself and telling people, no, legal is very similar. You know, it's in place. You don't have to worry about it until you need it, but it does clearly delineate those boundaries for your clients and your customers and protect your buns. So if you kind of reframe your thinking, um, it helps because I know a lot of business owners, they come from a place of service because they're jumping in, they're starting a business, they're wanting to help people. They're so pumped about it. And it's like all sunshine and rainbows. And like you said, when you sit down and think about like, what if, what could happen? You don't want to think about that. It's not fun. It feels icky, but that feeling is temporary. And the feeling of when you actually have to face something, because look, as a business owner, the question is not if it's when you're going right. to face something it's easier to face it head on in advance to know that you can deal with it versus having to do that like damage control. Right. Well, just like that situation with that guy, like I know a lot of online course creators like get their courses like copied and put onto like the course online course black market. I forgot what that like actual thing is called, but I kind of anticipated that. Like I know like, okay, if I create something like it's going to get somehow replicated in some way but to have someone so blatantly come out and say I might like well I don't need your permission because I'm already in the course like I can just copy and paste it and like be done with it and like I don't really need you but I need what you have to offer like it's a really scary thing and that's what like made me think like oh my gosh like what are my terms of service Mm -hmm. for for this membership? Like, do I have those types of things in place? So what do you think are, whoa, why did my voice just crack? Sorry. (laughs) What do you think are like three or four legal documents or things that small business owners should focus on? Like, what are the three to four things that they should start with? Yeah. So if you have an online business, um, and let's say you are either a coach or a service provider, you want to make sure that you have a rock solid client agreement in place. Um, I think that having a written client agreement is so imperative for both of you in having a good working relationship and establishing those boundaries. Um, so I think that's really important. If you're a coach and you also offer group coaching, having a group coaching agreement is I think so important. Um, and then website policies. So if you have a website, you want to make sure you have a privacy policy. It is legally required. And you want to also have terms and conditions for your website, which are basically the rules of the road. And they tell, tell people how they can and can't kind of interact with the content and the things on your website. Those aren't legally required, but they are the first place a court's going to look if an issue arises. Um, and then, like you said, if you offer an e-course or some sort of downloadable product, like my legal templates or a, um, like a membership, you want to have terms of use in place for those as well, which is the rules of the road for those products. Interesting. So, okay. We talked about this and I want, I thought you gave a really good answer too, especially when going to client contracts. So mm-hmm. I have a, well, I shouldn't say friend. It's like a, someone I knew of <laughs> who was a graphic designer and they 
did not have a client sign the contract before they started the work. Mm. And then they did the work, (laughs) but did not get paid. And then they were like, what the heck? Why am I not getting paid? Like we had a contract, all of those things. So what, what are in, in that situation, what would be your advice? Oh, okay. So first advice. and foremost, do not start any work until the, the client agreement is signed by both of you. Mm-hmm. Like you, you need to circulate that and have that signed from the get-go. The second thing is that both oral and written contracts can be enforceable. So um, in that situation, it really is factually dependent. It depends on exactly what was happening, uh, what happened in the relationship. If there was um, an agreement in terms of what was due for payment, it's one of those things that's very factually driven because there could be a cause of action, say in small claims court to be reimbursed for the payment. Um, you know, it's one of those things that when you are ghosted for payment, you have to do kind of a case by case analysis to decide Do I want to send them to collections? If you do have a written contract, do you want to take them to small claims court? Um, And every state has a different limit on what case can be heard in small claims court in terms of the monetary limit. You have to look at your local state um, because if it exceeds that, then you're just going straight into civil court and that's like a whole other ballgame. So you kind of have to weigh the contracted amount versus the cost of chasing that person down. Um, it it is very case by case driven and that's when it really is helpful for you to kind of chat with a small business attorney around you and just kind of pick their brain and say, look, these are the facts. What would be your inclination in terms of what I should do? And a lot of small business attorneys do give you like a discounted consult or a free consult depending on what's going on. So see if it's like worth mm -hmm. because sometimes it's, it may not be worth the headache. It, It just may not. And it might just be a very expensive learning lesson. Sometimes, I mean, if it's like a $20,000 contract, obviously you're going to want to kind of pursue that a little bit more than say a $500 one. Right. So So this is another one. This is something that I see, like I've seen a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing that I've seen is, well, they're my best friend. They're my cousin. They're my aunt. They're my aunt's sister's best friend's mother-in-law like the whole thing of like they're a friend of a friend like we Mm -hmm. don't need a contract it's all good Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you need a contract like period end of story I don't care who it is that you're working with I don't care if it's your mom having a contract to lay out exactly what is going to happen in that relationship those those expectations what services are you going to provide the payment schedule do you require that full payment up front or are you accepting installment payments um, intellectual property, there's gotta be protections in there. Like you said, somebody came in and tried to kind of swoop on your course. I mean, you want to clearly explain like what they can and can't do with those materials that you may be providing your disclaimers to limit liability. I mean, you don't want to be held liable. Um, like let's say you're a health coach. Um, you want to be very clear that you are not a licensed health professional and that you're just providing education and information as an example. Um, and then like dispute resolution, because it's funny that some of the more highly contested contract <laughs> things can happen if it's somebody that, you know, I mean, it, it can be a much more heightened argument if it's somebody that, you know, versus like a arm's length negotiation with the business. 
So even having a provision in there that outlines like what is going to happen if the dispute arises is helpful. So I don't care who it is. Um, you want to get a contract in place. And it's funny because I was actually listening to Stacey Tushel's podcast this morning. And she made a comment about how just this past summer, she was actually duped for $4,000 from a service provider in the online space. So I think it's just important to know that no matter where you are in business, no matter like if you've made it, if you're just starting out, this is stuff that you're going to face no matter what it doesn't, it's part of being a business owner. It really is the unglamorous side. And that's why, you know, legal may not seem like the sexy side of, you know, I want to work on my website or I want to be out there marketing or like all these other fun things, but it really does form such a strong foundation for your business when something happens. I was just going to say, because I think in the online space, it's so glamorized. Like people talk Mm -hmm. about all of the money they can make and the results and the connections and like all of the fun, creative things. But it's like, there's a whole, like exactly what you just said. There's an entire other side to it where you have to protect yourself. And it's also protecting your clients. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day too, like I was telling, um, Nicole, like I was like, Tristan is, is a client of mine. And even though she is one of my best friends and I love her dearly, I still made her sign a contract. I still sent her a contract. We still set up like a payment plan and with like the dates that those, that those payments were due. And it wasn't just for me, but it was also for Tristan to make Tristan feel like, Hey, this is, I'm actually hiring, even though Brie is my friend, this is a business agreement. She's doing these things to protect me, to hold her, to hold me accountable as her coach and also her as a client. Mm -hmm. Well, because if you think about any experience you've had with someone hiring them, be it a coach or a virtual assistant, when you go through that process and you're provided with a contract that kind of outlines everything you just feel so much more protected and you feel like the whole experience is so much more professional versus if somebody just like shoots you a PayPal link and says pay me um it just kind of like it ups that the professionalism I think in terms of your reputation and your authority and it just starts that whole relationship on a good foot so absolutely and you brought up virtual assistants so Mm -hmm. let's talk about that because that has been this year, like how I've kind of up-leveled my own businesses by hiring BAs Mm -hmm. um, to kind of help me with certain aspects of my business. And I did not have them sign NDA, which is a, which an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement. Mm -hmm. And you were like, you need to have one ASAP. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So talk about what an NDA is. A lot of people know this, uh, have probably heard the term NDA because celebrities always hear like are always having people sign NDAs when they come into their house or like just anything in general like everyone has probably or you've heard them <laughs> in this case like it's also good for your business so t- can you kind of speak a little bit more about that yeah so a non-disclosure agreement or an NDA um, sometimes it's called a confidentiality agreement it just depends it's actually a contract between people that outlines what information cannot be shared with other people. And in a business case, it's what private business information can't be shared with other people and other businesses. So like in kind of layperson speak, it's basically a legal obligation to keep a secret. <laughs> so <laughs> you are basically being told like you can't share this information with other people. Um, and you can't have an NDA for everything. Like you can't consider everything to be a secret, it really does have to be proprietary confidential information. 
execution. So it can't be things that maybe they had that information before executing the agreement, or if it's like generally known to people, um, or if it's something that they may have gotten from somebody else, like it really does have to be your private confidential information, but it protects you. It protects things like your email list and your payment processing. Um, you have that like confidential information. If people are buying things on your website, you've got that saved in there. And so you don't want people to just have their hands all over that information and your clients and customers don't want people to just have their hands all over that information and be kind of willy nilly with it. Uh, so having an NDA in place is just like an extra level of security. And it's funny because I have a lot of people say, okay, it just, it's just a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything, but that piece of paper gives you the ability to go after them to enforce. So you kind of have to look at it as it really is a fail safe. It's another insurance policy. Um, and you really don't want to end up thinking like, oh crap, I wish I would have gotten that in place because it's always the people that you least expect. I just, I will say that based on my years in business. <laughs> so what would be considered like proprietary information? Like, are we talking about like, okay, if my VA has access to my emails and in that email it's, you know, there's charges for PayPal or any like software that I use, like monthly subscriptions, those types of things. Like, is that considered like, proprietary information or is well, it so the password to your email account is proprietary because that's not public information um if there's emails in there about if you're like chatting with your business coach let's say and you've got an email exchange that talks about maybe how you're planning on pricing a new product or you're laying out like an original idea for a coaching um situation that you want to set up. Those types of things, those are proprietary. They're not publicly known. It's something that you would want to keep private. It's definitely not something that you would want them to run and share with your competitors. So, so like if I was like coordinating a launch for a new course and mm -hmm. everything was like laid out and the, my VA knew about that, that would be considered proprietary information. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely need to do that. And you have that <laughs> template on your website, right? Like a, a, a standard NDA confidentiality agreement? I do. So I have a one-way um, non-disclosure agreement app. And then I also have, if you're looking to hire, let's say a VA or somebody else in an independent contractor capacity, I also have an independent contractor template. So, and that does lay out um, confidentiality language in the contract. But when you're in the hiring process for an independent contractor, I always think it's smart to have them sign the NDA. Then you chat about the job, the position, what it would expect, what they're expected to do. Um, Cause you can be a little bit more free and then you still have them sign that independent contractor agreement. It's like a sandwich. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So before, okay, let me make sure I got this right. So before you even have a conversation about the job, you have them sign an NDA and then you explain to the outline what the job would entail. Yeah. I mean, most people in the hiring process, they're going to have maybe one to two interviews. If it's just a general interview and you're not getting into specifics about exactly what your business does and processes and that type of proprietary stuff, you, you would be okay. But if you're going to really have an in-depth interview where you're kind of sharing some things that you may not want to get out there to really see if it's a good fit, then you would want to make sure that they have the NDA signed. Interesting. That's good to know because that's another really good, I'm sure, situation that I'm going to encounter. <laughs> um, 
So another thing, because I was checking out your website, obviously, before we started our interview, and I saw on there that you had like a testimonial release Mm -hmm. um, form on there. And I thought that was really interesting because I love to collect testimonials for my clients and students in the Pinterest membership. Mm -hmm. I was like, why do I need to have them sign a release if they're sending it to me? So (laughs) can you explain that? Yeah. So we love to share the love notes that we get from our clients. That's just our nature. We want to let everybody know how great our services and our products are. But before you can start using those testimonials in your marketing, you want to make sure you have consent because that testimonial is actually protected by intellectual property laws. So you can't just take somebody else's words and start posting them in your advertising and across your website unless you have permission. Um, because they could come after you and say, Hey, like I didn't grant you the, like, yes, I sent you the testimonial, but I didn't necessarily agree that you could use it in your marketing. Um, so you want to make sure that you've got the license basically to use their words and cover your buns. That's a good one. Cause yeah, I haven't done that. I've always asked, I'm like, Hey, if you send me a testimonial, like it with your picture and your website and your information, like it's going to go on my website mm-hmm. and onto the teachable platform. And I've always gotten like, of course, like, yes, but I guess, I mean, would that like suffice? Like would that hold up in court? If I like sense, if I had screenshots of like, I told this person exactly where this information was going to go and they consented to it. So I'm going to give a shitty attorney answer and it's, it depends. <laughs> um, keep, keep the records for sure. You want to keep the records to be able to show. But if you were really limited in just saying, hey, it's going to go up on my website. And then let's say you turn around and you decide to create like a flyer or something, then it's like a different purpose. Um, mm-hmm. There might be an issue. That makes sense. So that's why having the testimonial release form kind of opens up. Mm-hmm to be able to put it on different materials. Yeah. It's basically a license for you to be able to use those words kind of in specific ways, like for marketing or those kinds of things. Do you have any like situation? I mean, I'm sure obviously you can't like say names or like specifics, (laughs) but do you have any story or I don't even say stories, but like situations or circumstances where you're just like, this could have been so easily prevented if the person would have just had an NDA or had a release form or just a basic contract. Yeah. So let me think about this. Um, I feel like people learn best from stories. Like we can sit here and talk legal jargon all day, but I think people to like hear like, oh my gosh, you just never think that your cousin's going to sue you (laughs) for or whatever, like your boyfriend's sister or something crazy, you know? Well, I had one situation, which was actually really, really sad where um, a person had reached out to a business coach and they were just kind of like floundering and they felt like they weren't making any progress in their business. They didn't have any clients, they didn't have any income. And so this was like their all in thing. Like they were going to hire this coach and they were basically funding it with their income. And so they had reached out to the coach and basically said, Hey, like I'm ready to start working. And rather than having the contract circulate and then the payment come, the person had just kind of like sent the payment and then didn't sign the contract. Um, And then she ended up losing her job like the next day. And it just became like this whole, he said, she said, like she asked for a refund. The coach said, no, that's not in the con or, you know, it's no refunds. You can read the contract. 
um, but the contract was never signed. And so it just became this huge, like, like spiral of arguing about like, did we have an oral agreement? Did we not? Like, can I get a refund? And it was like this long drawn out process. And yeah, so it ended up being that the coach finally did end up issuing the refund. So that, that happens to be a good situation. Um, but it's a good reminder that realistically you should be signing the contract and then paying because you want to make sure you know exactly what's in that contract. Like she had no idea there was a no refund policy. So yeah, I'm confused because I always send the contract for mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I send them conjunctly conjunctually. So like I send first it will come like the contract will come and then I say once you've signed your contract, here's the link to submit your payment. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up having to get me involved and I had to send a letter and it was, you know, she had to spend money. She basically didn't have chasing the money that she paid that she didn't really have. And so it was a whole nightmare. So that, that situation worked out well. I had another situation where a client signed a contract without reading it and it had a no refund policy in there. Um, and then she started working with the coach and the coach was not at all you know, people tend to act one way online. And then when you meet them in person, it can be a totally different <laughs> persona. <clears throat> and so it wasn't a good fit to continue working. And when she asked for a refund, the coach just said, no, I've got a no refund policy. And that thing was so buried in that contract, but it was there. And so she lost out on $20,000. I was just going to say, because I've also had the situation, I personally haven't had this, but I've had people cl- very, very close to me mm-hmm. who have invested. I mean, taken out money from their 401ks and mm-hmm. savings and it's like 10, 15, 20,000 dollars and they sign up with these coaches that like you were just saying are amazing they have an amazing persona online and then you go to work with them and you're like this is horrible like mm-hmm. I am not mm-hmm. going to learn anything this isn't my style like I'm not getting the support or like anything that I thought I mean is there a way to even if you've signed a contract and you get into these coaching sessions or you get into these programs and they're just not what was advertised or what you thought they were going to be, is there any way to like backtrack out of those types of things? Or is it just kind of like you have to bite the bullet of losing 10 to 20 grand? It really does depend on the language of the contract in all honesty. Um, If there's specific termination provisions in there, Um, and there's other kind of defenses to a contract. So again, that's a situation where, especially when you've got a contract for 10, 20, $30,000 for some of these high end masterminds, you would be doing yourself a disservice not to chat with an attorney, not to have them look at that contract and see if there's a potential out for you or some way to mitigate things. Um, it, it is always a good idea to talk with the other person on the other side. And this is why written contracts are so important because they do lay out the groundwork, the framework for your relationship. So if you have an issue and it's a contract that you don't want to move forward, look at the language of the contract, see if there's an out and then just approach them on a human level, you know? Um, and, and sometimes that they'll release you depending on the situation. But if you sign like an ironclad contract and there's not a termination provision and you don't have a defense, then yeah, you may be stuck. So you really do want to do double duty when you're entering into these types of relationships by a really making sure that it's somebody that you want to work with and b having somebody review the contract. And even if you're not comfortable 
hiring an attorney, even though I think that's the smartest thing for you to do, have a, like a second, third pair of eyes look at the dang contract for you. If you, have, <laughs> 10, if you have 10 to 30 grand to drop on a yes. contract, you better yes. freaking, <laughs> you better be able to afford an attorney. Like that's yeah. great. I like your idea too of like, if you are going to be spending that much money, have the coach or the mastermind send you the contract ahead of time and then have a reviewer, a, a lawyer review that, um, with you so that you understand if it is like you were saying ironclad or if mm-hmm. it is, you know a quote-unquote exit strategy if it's not what you think it is mm-hmm. that's a really good um advice because i yeah i've heard so many more stories like that and it it's it's unfortunate because it's just the I think the nature of the online space of people just promoting and advertising things that are not, I mean, it's really easy for things to look pretty online guys. Yeah, it is. (laughs) You really do have to do some due diligence because the online space is a, it's still the wild, wild west. And especially with legal and the law, like we're a slow moving turtle in terms of catching up up with the online space and we're going to get there. I mean, we're well on our way. Um, but it's, kind of amazing the things that people can do and say and get away with on the internet. <laughs> and I think with, with coaches too, like life coaches or just coaches in general, business coaches, it's an, an unregulated industry. Mm-hmm. Like there is no U S government board of life coaches who are like, <laughs> oh, you're seeing this or like, yes, you can get certifications and all of those things. But again, it's completely unregulated. So there's not anything, I mean, not that that's like a bad thing or a good thing. It just depends on how you look at it. But again, I think when it comes down to legal stuff, like it just, like you were saying, it's just the wild, wild west. Like everyone's kind of just shooting their shot here. Yes. Yes. Gotta love the online space. I mean, it really is amazing. I've met some amazing people. I've formed some amazing relationships. I like, I met you, which was amazing. And we have never met in person. So I don't want to downplay how amazing it is but you still need to be wary. And at the end of the day, you're still a business owner and you still need to make sure that you're making smart decisions. Absolutely. So how can people find a good attorney in the area? Because you're specifically an attorney for California. So each Mm -hmm. state has their own bar, correct? Correct. So you can go to your state's um, bar website and you can do an attorney search there. There are what we call bar associations, like in every state, in every city, in every county, they'll have their own bar associations. You can reach out to them and ask for attorney referrals. And word of mouth is a big thing. I mean, if you have other business owners that you know, just ask them if they've worked with somebody. Um, And if you have an online business, make sure that the small business attorney you're going to speaking to has online experience because there are a lot of small business attorneys out there that just are kind of unaware of the online space and how it works. And it's very different from just brick and mortar. So you do want to kind of do your due diligence and make sure that they've got some experience in the online space. Yeah, definitely. Online business is very different than um, brick and mortar. And also the other thing is with online business is that it can be worldwide. So mm-hmm. you can have clients like all over the world, mm-hmm. which can, and VAs all over the world, which can make contracts and things like that a little bit more, I'm sure, tricky and only applicable um, in certain parts of, of wherever you live. Well, and that's why when I mentioned earlier, like with your client agreement, 
having a dispute resolution provision in your contract because if you can say this is the law that's going to apply and these are the courts that we're going to appear in or this is like the arbitration process we're going to use if you can clearly lay that out in the contract and have somebody agree it's a heck of a lot easier than having to chase them down in Timbuktu <laughs> so right and I it's so funny because too I, I just remembered that I had this experience recently with I was just doing like an hour, one hour consultation with someone and they were in a, um, Europe mm-hmm. and in Europe they have that tax, which mm-hmm. is, if you guys don't know, it's like this weird tax situation in Europe. It's such a hassle. Like mm-hmm. it, it just, it just depends. But anyway, she was like, oh, I guess the country that she was in, like in order for her to claim it on her taxes, she needed, um, like my VAT tax number. And I was like, no, I don't have that. I'm in America. <laughs> like, that, I ended up sending her like a um, invoice through PayPal, which will include that tax. If you put in the country that she's in, it will automatically calculate the VAT tax for her and add it to her invoice. So when she pays it, like she can track it. But for whatever reason, this like wasn't clicking with her. And she was like, I need your tax ID number. And I was like, okay, well, I file my taxes like with my social security number and she's like okay well I need that number and I was like I can't give you (laughs) and she's like I understand how uncomfortable this is like I have to file with my I guess they call it it's not a social there it's like something else she's like um but I need to have that number in order to file my taxes and I was like and I kind of like BS'd it. And I just said, I was like, I just talked to my um, accountant and I cannot give you my social security number. I was like, you don't understand in America. Like if I give you my social security number, like you can open credit cards, you can take out loans. Like you can literally destroy a person if I were to give you my social security number. And she just like, it wasn't clicking with her. And I finally had to say, I was like, look, this is the only option that I have. I gave her like two options to pay. And I was like, this is, this is it. Like it wasn't even that much money. It just in like the long scheme of things, but it was like the headache. I was like, okay, this is an only a one hour consultation. Like I'm not going to keep going round and round in circles, um, for you to like not be able to pay. So it's just like those like little things. I feel like sometimes you encounter as a business owner and they're just so, yeah. And well, and if you're going to be working with like international clients or even as a sole proprietor, you can still apply for an EIN number, an employer identification number um, through the IRS so that you would be more comfortable using that versus your social security. Yeah. Well, it was, again, I'm like, I'm not, it was like a one hour thing. Like <laughs> a thing. I, I was just trying to be nice and like yeah. someone that more I headache knew and she was like I really need your help and she's like insisted on paying and I was like okay so it's like again it's what's you kind of have to like weigh those things of what's important I guess and that's a good example too of it somebody that you know (laughs) yeah so I mean no matter what it's always good to have legal in place because sometimes it is the people that you know or the people that refer to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that end up being the biggest headache so (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me at NicoleShreeOden.com. I have my legal shop there if you want to sign the legal template. Or if you're in California and you want to book a call to chat either about a custom contract drafting or review, 
we can book a call. And I also do what's called a contract checkup. So we can hop on the phone for an hour and just basically walk through your business and see what you have in place and if it's sufficient and what else you need, just to kind of do a little bit of a legal check-in. Um, I also hang on Instagram. I'm Nicole Street Odin there. I'm also Nicole Street Odin on Pinterest and on LinkedIn. And on Facebook, I am Nicole Street Odin Legal Template. And all of those links are going to be down in the show notes, guys. So if you want to jump on Instagram or go to her website, you guys can just click the links. They'll be in the show notes. But thank you so much for chatting with me. I feel like this was so educational and like informative and gets me like excited to like, I love process and like having things like a foundation. So it like makes me super excited and I hope other people really learned a lot. One more thing. If you love this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at living with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbreely.com or check out the show notes below.